And then we're going to read from the Gospel of John 3. The lectionary takes us there today. Last week we were at the temptation scene in Matthew. But now we go to John chapter 3. I hope this is a, a really familiar passage for you. And if it is, that's a great thing. Uh, we're going to read the first 21 verses. Uh, lectionary uh, stops at 17, but if you look at the text, you see it's all in quotation, so Jesus continues to speak here. So let's read to the end of his uh, dialogue here. John 3, at verse 1. Hear God's word. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. As far as the reading from God's holy word, I invite you to turn back in the scriptures to John chapter 3 for our gospel reading today. And we will begin uh, with prayer. Lord, we ask for your spirit's help now to comprehend uh, the teaching. It, it's going to go against our common sense. It's going to go against our expectation. Maybe we've read it many times and yet still haven't understood it, but we pray today that you would help us understand uh, the simple words that are before us. And we thank you, God, for the clarity 
of the scriptures uh, and for the fact that they have one message and they're so uniform in presenting it. Uh, we, Lord, Lord we, we have no excuse. Only our sin keeps us in confusion. And uh, we just pray that your spirit would now uh, would come and, and clear up anything that would stand in the way of, of your word. And we pray for the preaching to be faithful. And we ask that you would be our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Sometimes we read the Bible and we are just simply shocked at the message. I know Nicodemus was here as he sat in the presence of our Lord. And even today when we read the Bible, at times Jesus will surprise us. He, in fact, I think he often surprises us as we read the gospel, especially the first times we read the gospel, the first times we comprehend what he is actually saying to us. And what we have in John chapter 3 is uh, a very elite individual in terms of the Jewish faith, in terms of the uh, followers of Abraham. This would be a person who would be recognized at, at the very top. He was uh, a member of the Jewish ruling council there in Jerusalem, the capital city, the only place where the, where the temple was, a place where all the people would come. And his name was Nicodemus. And he, was, he had an awareness of what Christ was doing. He, he had an awareness of what Christ was teaching. And he came to Jesus to find out more. And the text uh, tells us that he came to Jesus at night. Uh, that would make it undercover. It would give him an opportunity to to find out for himself, the Jewish ruling council uh, was standing against Christ and what he was doing. And later on, they would be a part of the uh, ways in which our Lord would be uh, brought to execution. And so we have this very good religious person with all the credentials of being a good person. A lot of people, as they think about our standing before God and, and how we'll be at the end of time, they think, you know, it's, it'll be like uh, a scale of justice. And if in our life we've done more good than bad, well, then we'll be accepted. And if we've done more bad than good, then we'll be rejected. Nicodemus was a good person. He was a person that followed the the, the requirements that God has set forth in the Old Testament. He was a Pharisee, and, and those guys believed the scriptures, and they applied them. And they applied them, Jesus talks about it, even to the point where they're tithing, uh, they're, they're tithing their, their herbs from the garden. You know, if they get thyme or if they get whatever, they're growing, and they're, they're taking a tenth of that. They're so careful. And Nicodemus was a member of the rule, a Jewish ruling council. So not only was he a Pharisee, but people looked up to him and they vote for him as someone who had a, a good understanding of faith. But clearly Nicodemus did not understand the person and work of Christ. He said to Jesus when he came to him at night, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. The word rabbi means teacher. Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God. You see, 
Nicodemus knew that Jesus was not a false teacher. He was a real thing. And how did he know that? Well, he goes on to say, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. At this point in the ministry of Jesus, we don't have many miracles being recounted that are happening in Jerusalem area, but apparently Nicodemus has an awareness of them, and he realizes, he, he understands that the miracles confirm that Jesus is a teacher sent by God. He knew that much. So he was there, I think, to learn. He was curious, but he did not understand Jesus as the son of God. He calls him a teacher from God. He did not understand Jesus as a son of God or, or a sacrifice. He didn't understand the connection between what Jesus would do and what was presented when Abraham went through his test to offer Isaac. And Nicodemus learned something as Jesus responded to him in reply, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Have you ever tried for something where you weren't good enough and you were disqualified? Has that ever happened in your life on anything you've ever tried for? It's happened for me a few times. I've been rejected. I tried, I didn't make it. And here we're told by Jesus, Nicodemus, you're not going to make it. You're not going to see the kingdom of God. You're not going to see what God's going to do in the future when, when he's going to change this world and he's going to make all the wrong right. And you're, not going to, you're going to miss out the way you are right now. Can you imagine how shocked Nicodemus was to find out that he wasn't going to see it? The thing we, we pray about, as we prayed about today, all of us, we said it out loud, your kingdom come. We want that, it, a great future promised by Jesus. And, and Nicodemus finds out you're not going to be part of it the way you are right now. Even with all your knowledge of the Bible, you, you, you haven't, you're, you're not able to, to, to go through the gates of heaven. What a shock that must have been to Nicodemus to realize that, to be told that by Jesus, the teacher he respected. And Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. That word in the Greek, Jonathan, means either to be reborn or it means to be born from above. And both of those work. Both of those are good translations but what Nicodemus learns here is that the new birth is, the ab is an absolute requirement. You have to, you're, you're not qualified just because you were born once to enter the kingdom of God. And, and so Nicodemus asks the question, how can a man be born when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. He, he understands what Jesus is saying here in terms of of what this sounds like? And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives, the spirit gives birth to spirit. Shouldn't I be surprised? Am I saying you must be born again? 
The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So Jesus follows up on this. He repeats it. He explains it. And what we learn from this is that the new birth is brought about by the Spirit of God. Nicodemus wants to know what a man could do to be born again. And because of that, I, and because of Christ's answer, I would not write a book, if I were writing a book, How to Be Born Again, because it doesn't really work. When you were born the first time, did anyone ask you? Or did you just show up one day? Jesus uses a phrase here that eliminates, eliminates any hope of human efforts. You have to be born again. And born again also means born from above. And as we see the opening chapter of John's gospel, we're at chapter 3 here, but the opening chapter, this is what he said, that we have to believe in Jesus. And if we believe in Jesus, he gives us a right to become the children of God. It's through believing in him. And John 1, it says, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him, yet to all received him. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. What could be more clear? All the human agency is removed. And this idea of new birth, which in theology we call regeneration, generation being born and to be reborn, regeneration is a work of the Spirit. And it goes back to Ezekiel. And this is why Nicodemus should have had some awareness of this in Ezekiel 36 at verse 25. We read, I will sprinkle clean water in you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So who gets the credit? God. So I'm going to do this. A new heart, a new spirit. I'm going to take away your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh. It's God's work, regeneration. And this is what trips people up. Regeneration precedes faith. It goes before faith. We have to have faith to be saved. Ephesians tells us, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. Faith isn't from yourself. Faith even is a gift from God, as we read in Ephesians chapter 2, 8, and 9. It's this not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So as you read through the Bible, you see this all over the place, that when it's all said and done, when you get to heaven, there's at no point can you pat yourself on the back and say, look what I did. No. And we examine this further, and we see what Jesus says here, the wind blows wherever it pleases. A few nights ago, I took the occasion of reading this uh, uh, to, out loud to both of us in the evening when the wind was howling outside. I think the wind was blowing that night when Nicodemus visited Jesus. And Jesus said to him, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound. You cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And you hear the wind? Where did that wind come from? Where is it going? I don't know. You don't know. Well, that's the wind 
is another way, uh, a manifestation of the Spirit of God. When Pentecost comes, there's a great wind. Uh, actually, uh, it's, oh, the word wind is interchangeable in some ways with the word uh, spirit. And, and so the wind blows wherever it is, wherever it pleases. And so the idea here is God works in people's heart in whatever way he wants, because he's God. And he does as he pleases. And so he gets the credit. So the wind blows where it wills, and the illustration of Jesus. It blows where it wills. And we have the Hebrew and Greek words for wind are the same words for spirit. And we have a change in a person's life. Peter talks about people that aren't changed in 2 Peter chapter 2. He said, of them the Proverbs are true. He talks about a nature. It's a nature of, of dogs. I love dogs. Uh, and, but here the dogs are considered an unclean animal. Uh, and, he, and the proverb is true that, that a dog returns to its vomit. If you have dogs, you know they do this. It's disgusting for us as human beings to watch it. And we know that in the wild, of course, when the wild dogs would make their kill, they would have to carry their, the, the food back to uh, their little ones and they'd regurgitate it. And that's what dogs do. And so they're not offended by that. And... Um, we have Peter saying that of them, the, the people that turn back, the Proverbs are true, a dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. If you've ever been to 4 in 4-H and you've shown swine, as they say, and uh, you, you get them ready to show and you, you wash them and, and, and you polish them with a little oil and you get them all cleaned up and you take them to the 4-H uh, the uh, barn and you have good straw for them and and, and you have them all clean, and, th and then they get their ribbons, and you take them home, and I'll open the, the door of, of, of the chute, and what are they going to do? They're going to go right back to do what pigs do, wallowing in their mud. They're not going to stay cleaned up, because they don't care. And so we need a new nature. We need a change. So we're not just walking around with the nature of Adam. And Nicodemus had asked more questions on it. He said, how can this be? Verse 9. And Je Jesus said, you are Israel's teacher, and you don't understand these things? That would be like someone saying to me, you went to Westminster Seminary, and you don't understand these things? Where were you that day when they taught it in class? Well, uh, Nick, uh, Jesus is really challenging uh, Nicodemus at this point is challenging him. I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know, we testify of what we've seen, but you still, you people do not accept our testimony. He's referring to these, this, this, uh, this uh, elite group in, in, in Jerusalem that were in charge of, of the temple and, and worship there, but they weren't, they weren't uh, accepting Christ, and, and, and Nicodemus becomes one of the few. He said, I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. We've gone over this before in the Gospel of John where Jesus is the one who came down from heaven. In the Nicene Creed, this is very plain. Uh, who for us and not for our salvation came down from heaven. And, and so uh, we have Jesus going on to talk about his sacrifice, his sacrifice on the cross. And he refers to the Old Testament story that we've gone through not too long ago 
where we have a reference to the snake in the, in the wilderness, uh, where people were complaining in Numbers chapter 21 uh, about God who brought them out of Egypt to die in the wilderness. They didn't have faith. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't trust God for bread and water. They just complained. And then God sent them venomous snakes, and they repented, and, and God's remedy for them was to have Moses make a bronze snake and put it up on a pole, and whoever would look at the bronze snake that was bitten by the snake, who was going to die of a poison, poisonous bite, would look at the bronze snake and would live. Obviously a miracle, but that would take faith to receive. And Jesus referred to his offering as the one who, referred to that Old Testament type, that bronze snake on a pole that Moses lifted up, that the people who were snake bit were to look at and be healed. And he goes, so also the Son of Man must be lifted up. And when did that happen? Well, it happened on the cross. And we think of Jesus who, you know, was laid on the ground and that cross beam was, he was nailed and then lifted, hoisted up and, and, and dropped on that vertical pole and fastened to the cross. And it was a place of great shame. And he refers to it in John 12 as he anticipates it here with the Greeks wanting to, to see him. And he realizes that his crucifixion is drawing near and he said when I am lifted up from the earth I will draw all men to myself he said this to show the kind of death he was going to die so the cross and God's way of looking at it is a time when our Lord is lifted up and we must look to Jesus and believe we have those wonderful that wonderful summary verse in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. There it is for Nicodemus and for us to, to, to ponder, to, to meditate on it, to make that really the hallmark of our faith. And if someone were to say to you, why should I let you, if God were to say to you tonight, at the, if you were to die and stand before him, why should I let you into my heaven? You would say, because I believe in your son, uh, your one and only son who went to the cross for my sins. God sent Jesus for the salvation of his people. And there's an invitation. And God sent his only son, it's like Abraham, who would offer as a sacrifice a son that he loved. And God gave him that test in Genesis 22. Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, as he was tested with that requirement. And God stopped him because it was just, it was a picture of what Christ would do. And the world here is not the world that's opposed to God necessarily, but the fallen humankind internationally, globally, where in Revelation we're told that people are going to be gathered, a great multitude from every nation, tribe, people, language, all around the world that are going to be standing before the throne and worshiping Christ. And they're going to say in their song, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And so the, the gospel goes out. Whoever believes... Whoever believes, and this is an invitation that dominates God's message, whoever believes in him. Revelation 22 is repeated again right at the end of the Bible. The spirit and the bride say, come. 
The Holy Spirit, obviously, the Spirit. Who's the bride? It's the church. What's the church's message along with the Spirit? Come. It's an invitation. Let him who hears say come. If you're a Christian, you invite others. Let him who hears say come. Whoever's thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Salvation is free, and it's a gift. And sometimes the Bible talks about us inheriting because we're the children of God. But it's never earned, and it's never achieved by us. It's only achieved by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we think of last week where Jesus was when under, underwent uh, the, uh, the, count, the account of his trial of, of temptations. And when it was all done, after 40 days and nights of fasting and these severe trials that came after that, and then we read the devil left him as he turned to the scriptures every time, and the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. And they came and attended him because he couldn't have walked out of he couldn't have walked out of the Judean wilderness because he was so spent. He, was, he had given everything and come through the other side. He was the one that achieved salvation. And it's his sacrifice on the cross. And so it's all about Christ and it's not about us. And so we're to believe in him. And we're not to think, hey, we're going to contribute anything in regard to how we're going to get to heaven. And so... God sent his son. And what about people then reject that? You know, God sent his son to save the world. But what about those who reject it? And verse 18, Jesus said, whoever believes in God's son is not condemned. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. He's still a sinner. He's still got the sinful nature. He hasn't had a new birth. He hasn't had this change where he loves the, the things of God. He loves Look, God, he, he wants to serve Jesus. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Well, we're naturally already snake bit. Uh, Numbers one, 21 has that a picture of us. Genesis 3 tells us we're fallen sinners. And we naturally love darkness and hate light. That, that's a, how the sinful nature operates. But if you're born again, you have a different outlook and you love the things of God and you love his son, Jesus. And we might look at the person of Nicodemus and some people are not sure whether Nicodemus believed or not, but if you get to chapter seven, you realize in verse 50, that Nicodemus is one of the only one of their council. When, when they're gonna condemn Jesus already in John seven, he says, wait a minute. Uh, shouldn't we hear a person first before we condemn them? And they turn on him right away and said, are you from Galilee too? Look into it and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. And then we find him and at the crucifixion account in John chapter 19, we remember Joseph Arimathea had this new tomb and he asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. And Joseph was a disciple, uh, but a secret disciple. And he asked Pilate for permission to take the body, but he was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. And Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds, and taking Jesus' body, the two, two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This one was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. 
Do you think Jesus, uh, Nicodemus was a believer? Well, the people that hated him, they really didn't care. If it wouldn't have been for the Sabbath and the Passover, his body could have hung there and gotten eaten by the vultures. But for Nicodemus, he was there with the spices that he had bought, the burial spices, and he and Joseph of Arimathea wrapped the body of Jesus and honored him in that way. He was there to provide for the Lord and honor him at the time of his death. Um, it is what Christ accomplished. And the cross, the crucifixion, the work of Jesus is central to our faith and the way we're saved. And if we've been having the new birth, there are many evidences of that. that we love the things that God loves. We, we love his son and we love his kingdom, his rule, his people. And we look forward to his kingdom to come more and more. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the wondrous gospel. And we pray, God, that we would be able just to ponder that and give all glory and thanks to you and to your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.